my name is Charlotte. I'm from the hospitality team in the church. I'm doing the Bible reading today from St. John's Gospel, chapter 10, verses from 25 to 30. If you do not have a Bible, please grab one from the table over there, and that will be a gift from the church for you. John's Gospel, chapter 10, verses from 25. Jesus answered, I have told you, you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand, what my father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the father's hand. The father and I are one. Here ends the reading. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you going? Good to see you here. I love looking out and, and seeing my family here this morning. Great to see you. My name's Mark. If you don't know, I'm one of the elders here at church, and um, it's a real privilege to open God's Word with you guys this morning. I'm going to ask a question. How do you know that you're actually still saved? How do you know that you're actually saved? Now, it's a huge question, isn't it? You know, in life, there are lots of questions, and it's a question we need to ask because there are things in life that we can be certain of, and there are things in life we can't. You see, if I was to ask you how old you were, now I know a lot of you would probably take a few years off, but if I asked you how old you were, you would know, wouldn't you? I mean, I've celebrated my 50th birthday probably four or five times now as I'm getting younger. But if I was to ask you whether you were going to have a job next year, if I was to ask you, God forbid, whether you were going to be alive next year, these are the questions which we really don't know. Well, if this is the case then, the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is, what assurance do you actually have that you're actually saved? What assurance do you have? What assurance do you have that you're actually going to go to heaven? You know, I made a profession of faith when I was 16 years old. I went down the front of an auditorium. I prayed a prayer. I gave my life to Jesus. Now, does that mean that I have assurance of my salvation? Does that mean that I will get to go to heaven? I mean, what about the sin? What about the sin in my life? I mean, can I lose my place in heaven? Now, these are big questions, aren't they? And the answer to the question is either going to keep you up at night with fear and anxiety, or the answer is going to bring you a peace and an assurance that God wants for you. So what is it this morning? What is it for you? How do you know that you're actually still saved? Now, if we're going to look at this question, we need to look at a lot of Scripture. So I want you to grab your Bibles. Please bring your Bibles every week. Have your Bibles, love your Bibles, learn your Bibles. Because I think especially with this question, often the danger is that people are guided by their emotions and they're guided by their experiences. I think most of us would know someone that's made a profession of faith and then has fallen away. So as we come here this morning, we've got to... Get back to the Word. And I want you to hear this, because if it's not in the Word, you can forget 
what you've heard. If it's not in the word of God, forget what you've heard or what you've experienced. Okay? The first thing we need to realize right up front is that our relationship with God is something that we can be sure of. It's something that we can know for sure. As believers in Christ, we don't have to live with anxiety. We don't have to live with uncertainty, wondering, oh, am I saved today or am I not saved today? Am I saved or am I not? You know, God wants you to be sure. And that's why John, in his first letter, states his purpose in writing. In 1 John chapter 5, look what it says. John says that I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's writing to Christians. Why does he write? So that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, our eternal life is not meant to be based on how we feel, because you, how you feel can go from up here, can't it? You know, you've had a great time of worship, you've had a great time of prayer, and you're feeling on fire, you're feeling, man, I love God, God loves me, to right down here, can't it? Where we're struggling with that old sin that keeps dogging us all our life. You see, our feelings are not to be relied on when we're looking at these questions, because we are so insecure at times, aren't we? You know, we're so affected by what people think about us or say to us. You know, a, a few years ago, um, one morning I was getting up and I was getting dressed and um, I put on a new shirt and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I thought to myself, man, this old grey-haired bloke still got it. I still look pretty good and I'm sitting there in the mirror and I'm prancing around and thinking how good I looked in front of this mirror. And I thought to myself, I'll, I'll go and talk to my daughters. I'll get their confirmation. You know, my two daughters know a thing or two about what's cool. And so I went out, and I'm not going to tell you which daughter said which, you guess. I went out to my first daughter, I said, hey, what do you think, a dad? She goes, oh, dad, I'm not real sure about that shirt. And then I asked my other daughter, and she straight up said, dad, you look ridiculous, and you're not going out in that shirt. Guess what? Never wore that shirt again. Hasn't seen the light of day. Because we are so dependent on what other people think and say, aren't we? And our feelings. Church, I want you to hear me on this. Because if you are worrying whether you are saved or not, if you are worrying, we need to come back and not worry about our emotions and our feelings or what we feel, but we need to come back and we need to ask, what does the King of Kings say? What does the Lord of Lords say? Because the Lord of Lords very clearly says, firstly, that he's chosen us. And it doesn't matter how you feel, because you know, our feelings can be so often lead us down the wrong track. And we learn almost to mistrust our feelings as they're extremely variable. And so the first thing I want us to do today is to look what God's word says. Not what our feelings say, but look what it says. Because if it's not in the word, forget what you've heard. So what does he say? What does God's word say about this? Well, firstly, when we've got to get our head around it, and the first thing we need to get our head around is the question and understand who is it that does the choosing? Who is it that does the choosing? Does God choose us? Does God reach down from heaven and choose us? Or do we reach up to God and, and we choose God? I want to say to you this morning that if you believe that it's we that choose God, then you need to be very worried. I think you need to be very worried 
Because if we believe that we are the ones that do all the choosing, we're going to fall into that trap where we're always going to be wrestling with, am I good enough? Have I done another sin that, that bars me from that? Have I pleased God enough? Is the prayer that I prayed enough? And what about the sin that I committed last night? What about the sin that I committed this morning? And you're going to be the person that always finds themselves going forward at a rally to recommit your life because you're never quite sure. You're never quite sure if you've really made that decision and meant that decision. So who is it then? Who is it does the choosing? Is it God or is it you? Well, we need to look at what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Look what it says. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, For he, meaning God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. You see, church, it seems very clear, and these are only two passages of many, many more. It's very clear that we are God's chosen people. You see, God's the one that does the calling. Just like when Jesus called his disciples and he said to them, come and follow me. You see, God chooses us, God calls us, and it's God that redeems us, and it's God that puts us in his team. Now, that statement does our head in at times, doesn't it? You know, there's a little voice inside all of us, and it's the voice of pride, isn't it? And often in all of us, we think, oh, come on, Mark, surely I'm good enough. Surely I'm smart enough to choose God. Surely it was me that chose God. We have that voice of pride in all of us and we think to ourselves, surely I'm better than those other people. Surely I'm better than those Muslims. Surely I'm better than those crazy Hindus. Surely I'm better than, and smarter than that, that atheist at work that keeps ridiculing me for my faith. And there's that step of pride, isn't there, in, in all of us that calls us to think that we had a part in that, that we somehow contributed to our salvation. Well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach us in Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 12? It says this. It says, as for you, and he's talking to Christians here, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. What it's basically saying there is that before you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions. You were dead in your sins. Now, I want to ask you, have any of you here ever been to a morgue? Have you ever been to a morgue where there's a dead corpse sitting on the table? Well, you could be the greatest motivational speaker in the world. And you could sit there and you could motivate the socks off that corpse. But let me tell you, the corpse is not going to respond. If the corpse responds, you better get out of there real smart, let me tell you. But the corpse is not going to respond. Now, why is the corpse not going to respond? Because the corpse is dead. It is dead. 
dead corpses do not respond. And what he's saying here, that before you became a Christian, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. So how then do we respond? What has God done to enable you to respond who were dead in your sins and transgressions? How does God enable you to respond? Well, he tells us. He tells us in John 16 verse 8. Jesus is here describing one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, it says there in John 16, 8, when he comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit does? He will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us. It's all of God. You see, God does the choosing, the Holy Spirit does the convicting, and we just need to receive this free gift that God has given us. It's a free gift that he gives us to choose to take freely. It's an incredible gift that he gives us. Now, as a Christian... And as someone who's going to go into your workplace tomorrow, you're going into your neighborhood tomorrow, what it does to you and what it does to me is it frees me. It frees me when I go and tell people about Jesus because it's not up to me to sell Jesus. As a preacher, it frees me up incredibly and it reminds me of the fact that I'm not have to sell Jesus to you. Firstly, because I'm not good enough to sell Jesus to you. Secondly, I can't bring you to life like God can. You see, as Christians, we're not called to be a seller of Jesus. We're not called to be like those people at Westfields, in the the middle of Westfields, who try and sell you stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I remember a little while ago, I went to the Westfields with my wife, and I made a fatal mistake. Fatal mistake. The mistake was that I made eye contact with this guy trying to sell me. My wife was laughing. She was like this. She walked on. I'm too nice. I said, oh, how are you going? He grabs me, takes me over the corner, and he starts his spiel. He's trying to sell me timeshare resorts, a holiday to Tahiti and all this sort of stuff. And as I was sitting there, standing there with this guy, I thought to myself, mate, you really need to know who you're talking to. I don't even like going to restaurants because it costs too much. There's no way I'm going to Tahiti on a holiday. And so I just stood there with this guy, and I nodded, and I nodded. I must have looked like an idiot. And I nodded. I was very nice. And then I thanked him and said, oh, mate, thanks, but no thanks. You see, the guy couldn't convince me. The guy didn't convince me at all. There was no way I was going on a holiday to Tahiti. You know, as Christians, we don't need to hard sell anybody because it is Jesus who does the choosing. It is the Holy Spirit that does the convicting. All we are called to do is to receive the gift and go and tell the world what has happened in our life, that Jesus has come, that Jesus has died on that cross for me and for you, that he rose from that grave for you and for me. And all we need to do is receive it and go and tell the world that God is love and his love for them is through Jesus. So you're still with me. You're still with me? Good. I hope so anyway. Now, if God does the choosing, how do we know then which team we're on? How do we know? I mean, there are only two teams. And although the Devils might be a great name for a football team, it's not a great team to be on, let me tell you, for eternity. Not a great team at all. I mean, is it going to be like those days 
um, where we sit there and we never know where we're going to be on the footy team. You know, a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago, I was playing footy and it was a practice game. And here I was, the two um, guys came out, the biggest guys, they were choosing the team. Here I was, I'm the oldest in the team. I'm the greyest in the team. You'll be glad to know I wasn't the tubbiest and I wasn't the baldest. But here I am in the team. I'm old enough to be their father. In fact, one of the boys was my son. And I'm sitting there in the team. Now, I'm secure in who I am. I don't have problems with insecurity. I know who I am. But here I was nearly 50 and I still didn't want to be the last chosen in that team. Because we're so insecure at times, aren't we? So is that what it's like? I mean, are we going to be sitting there wondering, man, has God really chosen me or has God not chosen me? You know, do we, are we meant to live like that? How do we know which team we're on? Well, this is how you know. John 1 verse 12. Listen to what John says. And yet it says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, talking about Christians, he gave the right to become children of of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, it's very clear there, isn't it? And it's saying that we have the right to become a child of God. It's inferring there that we have some sort of legal claim to be a child of God if we receive the free gift of grace. If we believe in his name, he's saying there very clearly that we will be on Jesus' team. Now notice there in verse 13, and it says that this decision is not from us. It says we are born not of natural descent. We are born not of human decision, but we are born of God. Church, we are born of God. It's God that does the choosing. So how do we know then that I've actually, if I've been chosen by God? Well, you know that you were chosen by God when you receive him. At the start of that verse, it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave this right, this legal right to be a child of God. We know that we are chosen when we receive the Lord Jesus into our life. It's like God has come into our lives. He's opened our mind. He's softened our hearts to the message of Jesus. And it's something we just cannot resist. You see, when I was 16 years old and I went down the front of that auditorium, I'd grown up in the church. I went to church every week as a child. But it was up until I was 16 years old that the Holy Spirit came and convicted me that I had to make the decision myself, that I was a sinner and that I needed a saviour. And it wasn't until I was 16 years old that God revealed that to me. And you know, when I went down the front of that auditorium, it was not the words that I said, or the prayer that I prayed that saved me. It wasn't the prayer that I prayed that saved me. It was the fact that God had chosen me. You see, it's not like God is up there in heaven with the angels and God is sitting there taking bets. Is Mark going to go forward this week? Is Mark going to do this this week? Surely not. Mark, are you going to do this this week? You see, God is sovereign. God knows. God loves us. And if that was the case, I'd be unbackable because God knows what I'm going to do. 
God is the mighty, sovereign God. And it's God that does the choosing. And the way that we know whether we're on God's team or not is whether we actually receive the free gift that God has given us in Jesus. That's how we know. So how then? We're saying, or I'm saying from the Bible, that God is the one that chooses. We need to receive it. How do you know then that the decision you made to choose God, to receive God, is actually real? How do you know that you actually meant it? You know, people make promises all the time, don't they? And we know that some of those promises that people make, they don't really mean it. And just because someone says, hey, I got right with Jesus and I confess my faith, does that actually mean that they're saved? I mean, how do we know? How do we know the choice we made to accept it, to receive it is real? Well, you know, thankfully, the Apostle Paul knows what we were going to ask this question. And he addresses this very issue in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 to 5. Look what he says. He says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Again, there's that word, he's chosen you. How do we know? Because our gospel, the gospel is the good news about Jesus. The gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So this is how you know that you've really chosen God. You've accepted God. It's when you recognize that God has chosen you. And out of that, our lives are changed forever with the power of the Holy Spirit and with a deep conviction. You see, if you were really born again into God's family, then the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And there is a deep conviction of sin. Romans 8 verse 9 reminds us, it says, you, he's talking to Christians, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You see, church, the Holy Spirit has to be our distinguishing characteristic where we are not controlled by sin. It has to be the characteristic distinguishing mark of a follower of Jesus. Now, does that mean that we will not sin? Of course it doesn't mean that, right? If you were able to not sin, you'd be Jesus, okay? We're all going to sin. We're all going to struggle with sin. I struggle with sin every day. And the one thing I know about you is that you struggle with sin every day. It doesn't mean that. But if our life, if our values are no different from the world's, and we just want to selfishly live for ourselves, and there's no repentance in our life, there's no coming back to God for forgiveness, there's no coming to God and with a repentant heart on our knees and calling out to Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, again, I've messed up. Then I really believe we need to examine ourselves. And that's what Paul encourages us again and again. Because as a Christian, I really believe when you blow it, you know it. I really believe as a Christian that if you fall into sin again, if you choose to disobey God again, when you blow it, you know it. You really do. Because there's a a conviction from the Holy Spirit. 
This week, on, on Wednesday morning, it was 6.30 in the morning. I'm on my way to work. It's in the dark. I get a phone call from one of my tradesmen. He rings me and I can hear in his voice, he's just broken. He says, Mark, I need to apologise. Yesterday, the day before, I was on the phone call with him and he was getting all upset. He was dropping the F-bombs and he was all upset, cursing and, and, and just making a joke of himself. All that night, he had wrestled with the Holy Spirit. All that night, he'd been convicted of what he did was wrong and he had to make amends for that. So 6.30 in the morning, it's the first phone call he makes. He rings me and, and apologises. And he asks me to, Mark, you need to help me with this. I'm really, really struggling with this. I've struggled with it from a 16-year-old kid, he said. I need you to help. And so we prayed for him. And we prayed that the Holy Spirit would continue to convict him and help him to be the man that God wants him to be. You see, I love how the Corinthians responded when Paul challenged them about their sinful choices. Look at with me with 2 Corinthians 7.9. Paul says this, he says, yet now I am happy. Now, what was Paul happy about? He said he was happy not because you were made sorrow for their sinful choices. He was made happy because your sorrow led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended. You see, church, if the Spirit of God who is living within you as a believer, as a born-again believer, is not convicting you of your sin. It's not challenging you. It's not bringing you to your knees. That sin that you're so sick and tired of, that sin that keeps eating away at you, that keeps driving a wedge between you and God. If the Holy Spirit is not convicting you of that, then I would say to you that you need to examine yourself and you need to repent. And you need to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and not leave me until it's convicted me of what I need to do in my life and what I need to change in my life. And we need to repent, church, and just get right with God if there is no conviction of sin. Church, if you want to know that the choice of you accepting Jesus is real, this is only a few. There's many other verses today that we could look at and ways we can understand this, but I've just brought out these two. Not only will there be a conviction of sin through the Holy Spirit, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will also learn and grow to love. We will be people who will be distinguished by love. Look at 1 John that it says. It says, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's an incredibly confronting verse, isn't it? You know, it's a verse that I struggled with, especially as a young Christian. As a young Christian, I grew up in a family. I was the baby of the family and I had an older brother. And let me just tell you, my older brother was an absolute pest. He was an absolute pest and he would beat me up and wrestle me and hold me down. And I'd get all so angry and I'd be in tears and I'd get angry. And I used to have a little book and it was a black book. Get this, it was pretty bad when I think about it. But I had a little book and I used to have his name in that book. And every time he would wrestle me, every time he would get me into tears, I would put a cross next to his name. And I would swear to myself, when I get older... When I get stronger, I'm going to beat this guy to death. 
He would, he would rev me up so much. And when I became a Christian, this verse, I've got to say, and the other verse about loving your brother, if you don't love your brother, you don't love God, it really challenged me that I actually had to forgive my brother. Now, my brother's a good guy, don't get it wrong, but I had to forgive him. And I actually had to love him. It was a great conviction on my life. You know, see, look, brothers and sisters, to love as a Christian, it's not an accessory. It's not something we wear around our neck that we can do it whenever we feel like. No, to love is actually a distinguishing mark of our salvation. It is a sign that the choice that we made in accepting Jesus was actually real. And he's talking about extreme love, even to the, the point of actually loving our enemies. Now, I don't want to downplay this or, or, or treat it glibly. Because I know there are people here in, in, in our service this morning who have been hurt terribly. And there's been people in your life who should have loved you. And there's people in your life who should have protected you and cared for you. And they may have hurt you greatly in your life. And I'm not saying it's easy to love. But as believers in Jesus, it says that we are a new creation, church. We're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And as followers of Jesus who have the Holy Spirit within us, we are given a supernatural ability to love even our enemies. To love that person who may have caused you incredible harm. But I want to say to you, you're not going to love that person in your own strength. You're not going to do it by trying harder. You're only going to do it by allowing the Holy Spirit fill you and the Holy Spirit enabling you to love that person. Even the person who is the unlovely person in your life. Even at the point of loving your enemies. So church, how do we know we're still saved? Can we walk away from church today knowing that if we died today, that you would actually be in heaven? Can we walk away from church today knowing that? The answer is yes. Undoubtedly, yes. It is yes, yes, yes. It's got to be yes. But it's not going to be based on your feelings. It's going to be based on the Word of God. And what we've seen from the Word of God this morning is that the Word of God tells us very clearly that it's God who makes the choice. It's God who chooses us. We don't choose God. We are dead in our sins and our transgressions before we give our life to Jesus. God makes the choice. And all we are called to do is to receive it. We are called to receive the free gift of God, that Jesus Christ came to this earth and paid the penalty for our sin, for your sin, for my sin. He paid it. On the cross, he rose from the grave so that we one day could rise as well. And that he's coming back again for each one of us. So how do we know then that the decision to receive Christ was actually real? Well, a few of the ways that we can tell, and there are many others, 
is that the Holy Spirit has come within your life. How do we know the Holy Spirit was in our life? Well, one of the ways, one of the many ways that there is a deep conviction of sin in all of our lives. A deep conviction that we are a dirty, rotten sinner in need of a glorious Saviour. And until we reach that point in our life, you're just going to keep playing games with God until you are willing to bow your knee and say, Lord God, here I am. A sinful man. You're going to just continue to play games with our Lord and Saviour. Church, the other way that I was saying today, not only will there be a conviction of sin, there will be an incredible Holy Spirit ability to love even the unlovely. You know, this morning, if you're here this morning and you don't know what it is to be a follower of Jesus, but you feel there's a, there's a conviction growing, there's a small voice saying, I've got to get right with God. Well, I want to encourage you with the words that Paul encouraged us with in Romans 10, 9. And if this is you today, if you want to come and commit your life to Jesus this morning, if you want to respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction, it says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says there, and it's very clear, church, it says you will be saved. It doesn't say that you might be saved. It doesn't say that you have to reach some sort of perfection to before you can be saved. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. If you believe that Jesus is what he's done for you on the cross, if you're willing to come and admit to him that you're a sinner in need of a saviour, then he says you will be saved. And you can leave this place today with 100% assurance that you are saved and that you have a place in heaven. Because it's God who does the choosing. It's God who does the convicting. And as Jesus declared, and I love this passage where Jesus was talking to his followers, he said, I give them eternal life. He says, they shall never perish. He says, no one, get this church, no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one. No one can snatch them. And so maybe today you've been struggling. I don't know, maybe you've been struggling to live the Christian life. And this has been leading you to not be sure where you really stand with God. I want to say that today you can be sure. Today, God doesn't want you to leave here with carrying the baggage of fear, the baggage of shame. He wants you to be free from all of that. And all he calls on you today is to receive the gift that he has for you. And if you're a Christian here today who loves Jesus, and maybe you've been struggling with a whole lot of baggage, maybe you've been struggling, Lord, am I really saved? Then I just need you to come and just repent. Come to the Lord this morning again and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm going to put my whole trust in you, not on my feelings, 
not on my emotions, but I'm going to put them on the Word. And the Word says that you've chosen me, you love me, and that nobody, nobody is going to snatch me from your hands. And so, church, we're going to close and we're going to sing a wonderful song. And I don't know, I just really feel that there's people here today who need to get right with God. Maybe today you just need somebody to pray with. So I'm going to stand down the front over here. Some of the others, some of the elders are going to come forward. And I want to encourage you. You know, today, if you need to get right with God, you do it. If you can't come forward in a group where people love you and care for you, then I don't think you can come forward at all. You come forward. You come with a heart that's open to God. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you this morning, you come. And you say, Lord God, I want to be sorry for what I've done. And I want to make you the king of my life. And today, maybe you just need prayer. And you want to pray with somebody. You come as well. Because we are people here who want to love you and pray for you. Church, let me pray. Lord God, I want to thank you so, so very much. That you know us. You know our pain. You know our disobedience. You know our sin. And yet you still chose to send Jesus, the greatest sign of love that anybody could show, that the God Almighty of this universe sent his son for us, to die on a cross for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a place in heaven, not thinking we have it, but we can be assured of it, because Jesus has done it all for us. Lord God, I thank you that you love us. And Lord God, I want to pray for anybody here this morning that does not know the love of Jesus and have never given their life, could not walk away here saying that I'm going to heaven if I die tonight. Well, then today's the day that you need to get right with God. It's not by accident you're here. God has got you here and God is calling on you to respond to his love this morning. And Lord, I also thank you that you know our pains And you know the struggles we have. And so, Lord, today, if we just need prayer to to love our enemies, to love those people that have hurt us, then, Lord, may today we come and find the strength with one another and with your Holy Spirit. And we ask all these things in your beautiful and your awesome name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're going to sing an awesome song. And um, I encourage you. Hey, guys, just come forward. We would love to pray with you. Don't leave it another minute. Just come and we'll pray.